Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Hollywood Podcast, covering the latest in film, TV, streaming, and social media. I'm your host, Max Geshwind. Stay tuned for today's episode. Thomas and Phil, thank you both so much for joining me today. Um, Your new film, Jump Darling, is going to be premiering tomorrow, in fact, um, at the Directors Guild Theater here in LA as part of Outfest. Um, It stars yourself, Thomas, as the new discovery of this film. You're cast as the lead, Russell, um, who is following a rookie um, drag queen path for yourself. You want to be a drag queen and you're reeling from a previous breakup. And so you move in with your grandmother, played by the iconic um, Oscar-winning actress, Cloris Leachman, who has since passed, which makes this one of her final film roles. Um, and you move in with her to and to also protect her um, from having to go to a local nursing home and you care for her um, in the process of trying to pursue your dream as a drag queen. Um, so Thomas, Phil, as the um, writer, director, producer, thank you both so much for chatting with me today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Um, I want to start with you, Phil, as you know, the one who um, came up with the concept for this film. Um, I know you mentioned that there were very strong parallels with your own upbringing and your own story with your grandmother in real life. Can you go into that and how much you drew from your own life in writing this story? Right. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's lots of currents from my own life in there. Um, I, I like to always say it isn't an autobiographical story. Both, both of those characters in the story is very much fiction. Um, and, uh, but, but tons of stuff drawn from it. I mean, I think most probably prominently the part that was drawn from my life is just the, uh, certainly the inspiration for the character of Margaret played by Cloris Leachman. Um, but also just kind of like the beating heart of the story being this kind of this bond between this, this, this intergenerational bond between grandson and grandmother. My grandmother was a, a very um, important figure in my life um, and just, uh, you know, a very important person to me. And, and uh, we did have, you know, and the film has kind of helped me realize that to some degree, but we did, we did actually have this kind of very, um, you know, I don't know, like almost like, I guess it's a grandmother grandson relationship, but there was like a friendship kind of dynamic to it and this kind of, you know, weird thing. Um, and so that, that would probably be the biggest thing. And then, but from there, other things would have been, you know, the narrative of choosing life as an artist and the, and the, and the challenges and difficulties of choosing life as an artist and specifically as a queer artist. Um, though I'm not a drag performer, um, I, I, I wanted to illuminate that story through that. Um, so, uh, and certainly the end of life narrative, again, drawn from experiences with my grandmother, but you know, the way it plays out in the film, is not the way it played out in my life. Mm-hmm. And what made you think of adding that element to the story of, um, you know, someone wanting to perform drag as opposed to any other, um, art form, I guess you could say. Right. Um, uh, mostly because, you know, I mean, I obviously have the experience of, 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 living life, living life through, you know, uh, pursuing art and doing an artistic pursuit through film and writing. Um, and uh, specifically, you know, how uh, a lot of the work that I'm ultimately 
do, doing and creating is, is of a queer nature because that is my experience. That is my lived experience. Um, but I was interested in, in, in taking it kind of a step further. And um, I was uh, friendly with a lot of drag performance performers and I consume a lot of drag uh, just as a, you know, a gay man growing up in the city. And um, I, I just thought that that was a much more interesting to explore, uh, interesting way to explore that story and to get outside of myself and sort of say, okay, you know, there's choosing life as a queer artist and, and drag is kind of the ultimate expression of queer artistry. It's at the, at the knife's edge of, of you know, risk um, as far as queer artistry is concerned, you know, and putting yourself out there and kind of being the champions for our collective, you know, queer shame and confronting that. And so I just, I, that's why I wanted to, it just felt like a, um, a stronger way to explore that story than, mm -hmm. Yeah, um, we'd love to know because Thomas is sort of the breakout of this film and Thomas, I think this is sort of like your first major role now that's garnering you lots of attention. Um, first to Phil, how did you go about finding Thomas and Thomas, what attracted you so much to the story when you found out about this part? Yeah, so really quickly, basically we, you know, we, we had, the, we had the, the sort of dream to cast a star in the role of Margaret, but we wanted to discover a star for the role of uh, Russell and so we just did an open call. Um, we just did an open call. It's a Canadian film, so the open call was across Canada. Um, we probably saw somewhere around 150 people for the role, um, and uh, ultimately whittled it down to a final sort of callback of three people, of which Thomas was one. And then, you know, uh, although he was top of our list from the very beginning, um, but uh, we really put him through the ringer, and uh, we were so pleased with the result. Thomas. Yeah, and so what uh, initially attracted uh, me to the role was um, kind of the insane list of parallels um, in my life, um, as, as well as Russell's. I mean, I opened the scene, I opened the, the first audition scene, and it said that, um, that he's a Pisces. I was like, oh, weird, I'm a Pisces. And then it said, um, you know, his most recent ex uh, named Justin, my most recent ex at the time, uh, was named Justin. You know, he's an out-of-work gay actor. I was an out-of-work gay actor. And I was like, okay, um, this sounds great. And then uh, looking into it more, um, you know, for any queer actor to kind of open up a script and, and to see a role in a story that is so um, fleshed out and then to add on the challenge of, you know, three or four full out drag performances on top of that it was really kind of like a dream, a dream role that was sent through, yeah. Yeah, um, obviously I think a necessary component of this part is the on-screen chemistry that you share with your grandmother since you two are virtually together most of the time in this film. Um, and Thomas, your on-screen grandmother is Cloris Leachman. Um, I think I heard from some previous press that you've done, Phil and Thomas, that the first time you and Cloris actually met was while you were acting opposite each other in the first take of the first scene that you both shot. Um, Thomas, what was that like to meet someone who you would be working so closely with in the days and weeks after to meet her for the first time while acting opposite her? Uh, yeah, I had no idea that Phil was going to be setting it up that way. I was just called in, um, you know, for, lighting and to you know for rehearsal or whatever and 
you know, they lined me up on my mark and I was kind of facing uh, the window. And then, you know, it, it was lasting a little bit longer than usual. And then I heard kind of like this shuffling and I heard from behind me, like, where's my mark? <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, that's Flores. Yeah. And she's coming up for her mark. And I'm like, oh, that's when I clued in that they're going to make the first time I would ever even see Cloris um, after the, the cameras have started rolling. So my heart, I mean, I swear you could see like my, my the t-shirt I was wearing like moving because my heart was beating so hard. Um, but, you know, as soon as they yelled action and I kind of turned around and, you know, we went into uh, the scene together, it, it all kind of like, you know, melted away. And uh, yeah, it was nerve-wracking. Yeah. And Phil, is this a method that you used from previous experiences at previous projects? Or if this was the first time you wanted to do something like this between two of your actors, what led you to want to try this out? Uh, yeah, it was really just a, it was really just a bit of um, it was a bit of logistics and, and, and sort of magic. Like it was just sort yeah. of, we, we, the schedule kind of worked out that way um, that we happened to be shooting their first scene together uh, as the first scene we were shooting. Uh, I mean, we did shoot a couple scenes before that, but with the two of them, uh, and it was our first day. Um, and so it just sort of felt like, you know, the, the circumstances were calling for us to do it that way. You know, it was like, um, and because in the script, it was the first time they, they had seen each other in quite some time. Um, like they obviously had been a straight, not a strange, but had not seen each other in a while. So we just sort of figured, well, why not, why not, you know, bring some of the, the, the real circumstances into the magic of what's happening on screen. So it was, it wasn't really like some philosophical thing that I have at all. It was just kind of like, Hey, here's an opportunity. Why not, why not take it? And, right. um, you know, and it was such a magic to have Chloris there. And I don't know, it just seemed like, uh, you know, let's amp this up a little bit. And we were, we were all nervous. We were all like, I mean, you could, the, you could hear a pin drop. Everyone was just like, Oh my God, here we go. And this is happening. And yeah. And the, cool. con and the context for that scene definitely allowed you to try something out like that for sure. Um, well, I know this is a very small, independent, very lean production. Um, would love to know how you went about being able to cast someone as iconic as Clarence. How did you get in touch with her? And I'd also love to know if there was a certain role you saw of hers throughout her career that really made you feel like that could play um, this part in this film. Did she remind you of your grandma at all in any way? Um, yeah, I would love to know sort of what made you realize that Cloris was perfect for this part. Right. Um, well, to, to answer the first question, it was, it was a lot of work. I mean, we sort of, we had this, the, you know, trying to cast a, a major star in a tiny little independent film um, was something that nobody really thought that we'd be able to do. Um, and there weren't a lot of producers that, you know, that I would talk to who believed that it was possible. So yeah. it's a matter of finding a team that would supported that vision and was willing to, to go to work to do it between my producer, Katie and my casting director, Jesse Griffiths, they were willing to do that. And, and that was just a matter of, you know, um, sort of looking at who was out there, you know, who was over the age of, you know, who was over the age of 80 and still working um, and who we felt, you know, maybe could do this. Um, and uh, when Cloris came up, um, 
you know, there was a bunch of things that it was just sort of like, wait a minute, this, this feels like this, the chorus could be the right one. Um, uh, uh, and, uh, you know, I think it was a combination of the fact that, you know, she's really well known in the last kind of 30 or 40 years for her television comedy work. Um, but she has a lot of dramatic credits to her name. And of course the, you know, the role she won an Oscar for was a dramatic role. Um, and so there was something really compelling about, you know, the role of Margaret in the film, there's a bit of a sardonic bent to the film. And so having kind of that mix of someone who has the dramatic chops, but also has so much comedic experience was actually a, was actually a real draw. So that really felt well, uh, felt, felt right. Um, and then on top of that, Cloris was known to be in the indie friendly. She worked on tons of stuff and she was, she worked on big films on small films on, you know, she worked, she, she loved to work and she, you know, if you just go down her IMDb, she's worked on everything, you know? So there was just this sense that she had, she had what we needed and she might do it. And, and that's what happened. And then, you know, when she showed up, she just totally embodied it, you know? And I, she didn't particularly remind me of my grandmother and I wasn't looking for that. But once she started performing the role, there was a number of very crazy, uncanny moments where she really did remind me of my grandmother. Yeah. And Thomas, I have to ask, since you, besides Phil on the crew and of everyone on the cast, you probably grew the most intimate with her. What was it like having her be your on-screen grandma, but working so closely with her for so many days and weeks during the course of the production? Mm -hmm. uh, it was, first and foremost, it was a joy. It was entirely unpredictable um, and spontaneous. Um, I've said it a thousand times, but it really was a masterclass in everything acting. Um, you know, she brought over 70 years of experience to the set. And so it was like a pinch me moment kind of every day walking on. And I mean, our first experience together the first time that we were alone, we were both kind of in like the, the wardrobe makeup room. And she kind of had like a water bottle with her to, to stay warm. And I had no idea what was I going to say, what we were going to talk about. And I, I just kind of like commented that I was like, oh, it's, yeah, it's chilly in here. And she shot back and she was like, stop complaining. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> that was my first like, but that was her just being, you know, funny that was after she told you you were perfect yeah um but then we she really really opened up to me about all of her vulnerabilities as an actress in her 90s which was not something i was expecting to have a conversation about with her and she she checked in with me um more than a few times to see how she was doing what she was like to work with you know she 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 at times felt just as insecure as I did working opposite her. And so we were kind of able to share that with each other, which I didn't expect and have a few kind of really tender, like in more intimate moments and everything from there to, you know, having dinner together and like spitting corn at each other, like from across the table. It was just, it was kind of like every situation uh, possible. Anyway, it was just, it was a joy. It was so fun. Yeah. It sounds like she's just like how she is kind of when you watch her in her roles just she's so funny and mm -hmm. so much levity and that's great that she ha was so down to earth on set even though she came with this gravitas of being academy award winner you know Cloris Leach yeah. she just she was like everyone else that's awesome totally and you you entirely got a sense that 
that she loved the work so much and yeah. that's what she was there for like she loved to work and she took it quite seriously and and uh but she was always there to have fun too it was you know she's just she's just such a pro mm-hmm. yeah. since you're what was that phil sorry rascal <laughs> um yeah um thomas i have to ask though since you're still you know very early in your career and you worked with this legend who's now unfortunately passed away. Um, is there anything that you're now going to take with you to future projects about acting or the industry in general that you learned from Cloris while working with her? Yeah. Um, I think ultimately, you know, her bringing over 70 years of, of that kind of experience to set, it will probably take me, seven 60 years to kind of embody truly any of that should I be so lucky um but I think to answer your question um her ability to be that present and that in the moment um and that spontaneous during takes was really something that you kind of you know you train being told all of these things but to to really kind of act opposite in such a true way. Um, yeah, I'll just, I, I, I'll just always be honing in on that, like breathe and just let the scene go where it's gonna go and, and have fun with it and like put a, a sense of play into every situation, no matter what the context is, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Phil, I had one last question for you about Cloris, um, but I believe she did watch the film before she passed away. So can you tell me what her reaction was when she saw it? Yeah, it was, it was fairly brief. We, so we, we, we showed it to Thomas. Uh, we had a, like a very small intimate kind of crew screening for Thomas and we sent her and her daughter a link to watch it at the same time. And then we FaceTimed her afterwards. Um, and, uh, she just said, she just said she loved it, but she looked so old. She couldn't believe how old she looked, um, but that she loved it. It was very sweet. Um, of course we, we worked very hard to make her look older than she actually yeah. Um, so we it was just really, the makeup. <laughs> yeah, we didn't do anything. Exactly. It was all makeup. We didn't yeah. do anything. It was in that regard, but, um, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a fairly brief conversation, but she was very complimentary. Mm-hmm. Um, Thomas, I want to switch gears and um, because I know that obviously a key component to this film is doing drag since you, you're, you play an aspiring drag performer. Was this your first time doing drag when you were shooting this film? And if so, um, did you have a greater appreciation, I guess, for the profession after shooting this? Oh, yeah, it was my first time doing drag. Um, and that's kind of another reason why it was, you know, a dream come true. It's like, I think any gay man's dream to just be like given permission um to kind of like go off and 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 live your drag fantasy um so it was it was a challenge in the sense of that you know i choreographed 90 percent of it and then to you know really kind of like learn how to walk and then run and then dance in in heels uh was a whole other aspect to it and um yeah i i mean the the respect that i have for like full-time queens now um is you know exponential um to what i mean i've always had respect but yeah i mean it's a newfound respect because the amount of padding and like tights and the wig and the makeup and i was it took it out of me a hundred percent so seeing queens that do this like on the daily 
uh, it kind of blows my mind. I have a whole new kind of respect for it. It's, it's, a, it's tough. It's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And that's so interesting that, so you came up with your own choreography for yeah. this. Where did you, where did you sort of do your research to prepare for that? Um, well, I mean, I've been going out to see, you know, drag shows yeah, yeah. for like the last 12 years. And, you know, you like, I've always kind of like fantasized, you know, I, you know, I'd hear like a really great like pop banger and just kind of like fantasize about like my drag moment in it. So it just kind of like came from this very, you know, organic place of being able to kind of like live that drag fantasy out. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just kind of like, you know, sat, like moved all the furniture to the side of the room and, um, you know, played the songs over and over and just kind of like really thought about the lyrics and just, just went wherever my body took me um, and then kind of honed it from there. Uh, we had like a little bit of a consultation um, with a choreographer named Ryan Lee, but most of it kind of came from myself and a little bit from Tenor Banks as well, one of the drag queens in the film. Um, mm-hmm. We had a couple of rehearsals together. She sprinkled her drag magic. <laughs> um, I want to ask Phil, because this also boasts a great cast aside from Cloris and Thomas. Um, you have Linda Cash, Jane Eastwood, who are so known and recognizable through films over the years. They're really, especially Jane, like a character actor who you just, you know her face. Um, how did you go about um, casting those two for this film? Right. Um, so with Jane in particular, I have a personal relationship with Jane. Um, so I, I just, um, I know her. Uh, through a very good friend of mine. And uh, so I had been uh, sort of just chatting with her about, you know, doing it for a while. So I just offered her the role and she was, she was down to do it. And, and she was thrilled because she had worked with Cloris previously in the nineties in Showboat when, when Showboat was um, touring in Canada. Uh, And then I think in the States, but I'm not exactly sure, but anyway, she had a relationship with Cloris. So that she, that was a thrill for her um, to do that. And Linda, same thing we offered the part to Linda. I did not have a relationship with Linda. We were sort of, we, um, we were looking for, you know, veteran Canadian uh, sort of actors for that role to kind of like bridge the sort of like, um, you know, the fresh face Thomas and the, you know, iconic Hollywood legend. And, you know, so we wanted somebody who, um, you know, could, could do that and, and felt like she could meet that moment. And, so we were looking at, at folks and Linda came up and she just seemed to be, I, I knew Linda's work. Um, again, she has a lot of comedic experience as well as dramatic experience. So there was that kind of, that kind of piece of it, but she, you know, mostly just sort of had that, the, the character of, of Ian, you know, has this, um, she's a bit of a soft antagonist in the film. Um, you know, trying to hold her, her family together and therefore resisting them to some degree. And, we wanted somebody who had that, you know, just that real sense of a mom who's fighting for her family, but gets in the way a little bit um, and kind of had that sense of vulnerability also of, you know, some of the family history and having her own vulnerability that she was bringing to that character. So it was really that it was just sort of a feeling that she was, that she met that, you know, moment. And so we offered her the part and she was down. Mm-hmm. Um, the film is now playing, you know, the festival circuit. It was just at Frameline earlier this year. Um, it's now going to be playing at Outfest tomorrow night here in LA. Um, what have the responses been like as you've been, you know, 
touring, going around different places, sharing this with new audiences? What's the feedback been like? I mean, it's been it's been really great. I mean, the film is released in Canada, so you know, so we've had quite a bit of press up there, and it's been it's been mostly very generous, which has been nice, even though you know you're not supposed to read your own reviews and all that. Um, but uh, that's been that's been really great. But Frameline, and then tomorrow, Frameline was the first time we'd actually seen it with an audience oh, in, wow. in the room. Um, we hadn't had that experience, you know, because of the pandemic. So. Uh, that was really amazing. Um, definitely a, a lot more laughs, I think, than we expected. You know, there was the comedy aspect that certainly seemed to be stronger for that particular audience. And there was a um, obviously a very strong response right when Cloris walked on the screen at the, at the beginning. There was just sort of a wave of applause across for just as soon as she arrived on screen, which was very, very sweet. Uh, so yeah, the responses, we've been really thrilled with the response and we're really excited to see it some more with some audiences because we've seen it a lot, but not with people. <laughs> um, so very excited about that tomorrow night as well um, to you know see what a LA, how an LA audience is different than a San Francisco audience. <laughs> mm -hmm. And are you taking it this anywhere else beyond Outfest or? Yep, it's uh, it's um, it's uh, doing a whole playing a whole raft of festivals across the states. Some which we can talk about, some which we cannot. But um, it's playing. It's closing the San Diego uh, uh, Film Out Festival in San Diego. It's closing okay. that festival um, shortly after this one. It's playing in Austin um, next, uh, I believe, and then. Uh, there's a bunch of regional festivals all across the country working with this great, we're working with the, the film collaborative who's doing our festival distribution and they're doing just an awesome job. And so, um, yeah, we're expecting to see, you know, see the American response to the film. Um, meanwhile, it also is, has, has played in Europe in a few different places as well and will continue over there. That's great. And if you can't make it to one of these festivals, it is available now on demand, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's not available on demand in the States, other than through some no, festivals. They have, they have like virtual screening opportunities. Um, some of them geo-blocked to certain regions. Um, mm -hmm. So just playing in the virtual cinema for however long that is. I think it's three or four days around the screening. And then similarly, San Diego and similarly in Austin. But uh, but the film has it's not been wide released in the States. Just Got it. Is yeah, there a so plan for distribution here in the States? There is, uh, but uh, can't totally speak okay. about that. Yeah. Okay, sounds good. Well, Thomas and Phil, thank you both so much for chatting with me. I really appreciate it. And best of luck tomorrow when it opens at Outfest. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thanks so much for tuning in. Please take a moment to subscribe to The Hollywood Podcast for free on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Max Geshwind. Thanks for listening.